Introducing the Corner Booth, a football podcast covering the latest trends and news in college football and the NFL. Here are your hosts, Jared and Mark. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your amazing host, Jerry Clem. Mark is still on his usual sabbatical. So today's guest is guest host is my boy, my mortal enemy, Jack O'Hara. Jack, how you doing, bud? Uh, I am batshit fantastic, Jared. Uh, Mark Riley, show up to your own show, you bastard. That's two episodes in a row. It's like two seven in the, listen, I love my boy. It's like eight in the last month. I, I, he drives me crazy, but you know what? I love him anyway. He does so much for our social media, so you know what? I, I let it slide. Oh, I know something or two about my uh, co-host not showing up. I don't, I don't remember the last time I heard from Declan O'Hara on the O Show, but it's been a long time. Ooh, it's been that long? I want to say it's been about five weeks. Damn. Mark He's and me like talk about Lugner of podcasts. <laughs> he shows up when he wants, whenever he wants, and it's not that often. Well, you know, you know, if you ever need a fill-in, you can always hit me up. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm not a big Yankees book guy anymore. Like, I was when, like, all my friends were, and I had my dime back to terrible, but I could still always, you know, help fill-in. Even Mike, my, our boss, Mike Brown, offered help co-host with me. If I was ever in a bind, because I'm starting to, once uh, my work schedule evens out, I'm going to start going back to doing two days, possibly three days a week. So like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Hey, hashtag no days off. Listen, our show is like every other show is like a specialist show at, at um, Belly Up. So mine's kind of like the the centerpiece kind of shit, like the, like the cow herd first things first kind of shit. So those are daily. Mine should be almost daily. So, I don't know. But you want to be the big dog, you got to eat like the big dog. I am the big dog. You want to check, check check that view count and see how much higher I am than everyone else. I think I think I still lead by almost 500 views, and I'm, I, I we've been taking a vacation last month. All right. Well, let's stop stroking your ego and get into some stuff here, Gary. All right. Speaking of big, five minutes of fame. All right. Speaking so, of uh, – Speaking of a, a sweet stroke, we've got Bucks and Raptors. Game two was last night. The Bucks have now lost two straight since they took a commanding 2-0 lead, and it looked like all hope was lost to Raptors, and everybody and their mother was calling the series over. Now, last night, Kyle Lowry went off, and Kawhi Leonard is always brilliant, of course. And now it's 2-2 going back to Milwaukee. Jack, I don't know what to make anymore. I still think t- Milwaukee takes this in six. I think... Giannis is just too much of a competitor to let this slide because he's probably in the locker room yelling at everyone in Greek profane, Greek profanity in like broken English because his, his accent's pretty his, his English is pretty good but I don't know how good it gets when he gets like ticked off and this is kind of just like the Bucks are here the Bucks are here the Raptors are here everyone else in the East is off my screen <clears throat> because like I just I can't comprehend right now. I guess maybe Philadelphia is close to Toronto because it went to seven. But like I don't even think this shouldn't be here. Like like Milwaukee should have at least taken one of two up in uh, Toronto. I mean we talked about it before we went on. I mean home field or home court advantage I should say has been a key factor. I mean it's historically been a key factor in the National Basketball Association in the playoffs. I mean. So you have the Bucks who take the first two in Milwaukee, okay, expected. I mean, yeah. Kawhi and the Raptors had a tough 
seven and years. And they were gassed. Too. It, it just and Kawhi honestly looks hurt to me. I mean, not as bad as Damian Lillard, and we'll talk about the Warriors sweep in a second, but he looks so shot after game one. Even Kyle Lowry poured in 30 points, and I'm like, that's it. Like, Toronto's done, but now the series we thought we were going to get is what we got now. Well, so, then the Raptors take two at home, so 2-2, two, two, and like you said, six games for the Bucks shouldn't be that hard. They're coming back home going back and forth. I could see it going seven games, given that those final three games, they go back and forth. It could be I, kind I, of like how Boston was. At home. I could kind of see it kind of how Boston was in 07 and 08 when they won with KG, Ray Allen, and, you know, Pierce. The, the sports analyst who honestly can't find himself out of a paper bag with his takes. But oh, we hate Paul Pierce in the show, by the way. But um, Mark hates him for a completely – I hate him because he's an idiot. Mark hates him because he played for Boston. But – that's that entire playoff run, it was seven games for every series. There was no single sweep five or six gamer. It was every single game, including the finals, was seven games. So I can kind of see that here. Milwaukee's unbelievable at home. Even though I'd love to get them get one Giannis get one win in front of Drake. But you know, I can pray, yeah, can I? Drake is to the Raptors what LeVar Ball is to the Lakers. Alright, all right, don't hate on Drizzy that much. He's a little closer to Spike Lee than LeVar Ball. That that's a that's a more fair comparison, okay? Like they love Spike Lee in New York. They they tolerate Drake in Toronto. They despise no, no, no. Drake is a superhero in Toronto. It's weird. Like there's like you talk to the guys who are influ- influential as hell in Toronto itself. You got Vladdy Jr., my boy. I'm so hype he's up in the NLV now. Also, what he plays ask, my, by the way. Oh my! You're killing him, man. He's every time he looks, he hit. He's hitting a home run. I I see his first shot in San Fran. Oh my god! It's a bomb. The one that hit off the dude's glove just summarizes what this kid's about, though. He, he's just everyone talks about Harper and you know Trout. I think this guy's the next generational Hall of Famer we got coming. But I like, I just I see it. His fielding's good, but his hitting is incredible. Check eat everything done with fucking footwork on his swing is just graceful. So we I talked about this with one of my other broadcasters a few weeks ago. We were, we were comparing uh, Hall of Fame fathers to their sons or vice versa. So you got Ken Griffey Sr., really talented baseball player. Ken Griffey Jr., Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters of all time. There are a lot of father-son duos that have graced the game of baseball. But there has ever been a father-son duo that has been for, like, Hall of Fame. Like, like you have Vladimir Guerrero Sr., Hall of Famer, one of Vladimir the greatest. Vladimir Sr., one of my favorite players of all time. The one thing I wish in his career, he played this one season in Arizona. That's the only knock I got on him. He, he robbed a home run from me in 04, by the way. I was at a Yankees-Angels game. John Allrood hits a screamer towards the pole. I try to reach up to grab it just over the fence line, and Vladdy took it away, and I was so pissed. Still salty about it, but I love Vladdy. I love because I played right field and third base, but two positions. So honestly, this guy was like my favorite player because I used to try to imitate him trying to throw guys out from the, the right field foul pole to third base. Did almost get a kid once doing that, but anyway, we're going off topic here. Drake is like a hero in Toronto, just like Vladdy Jr. is. Just oh, is that what like, we were talking about? 
Yeah, I see how I, I was able to track myself back to that? Yeah, no, you get me going on tangents, this is what happens. But anyway, I would just love to see Giannis get one win in front of Drake and just start mouthing off to him at the afterward, like a little Reggie Miller, Spike Lee kind of shit. It'd be great. 100%. See, I, would, I would love if Kawhi stayed and this became like a Knicks Pacers kind of thing. I would love. I would I'm love not. Gonna, I wouldn't be shocked if Kawhi stayed. I remember at the beginning of the year he like I don't want to be here. Like I did not want to be traded here. I, everybody knew he wanted to join LeBron in LA. Now the clip. Now the best part is now the fucking Lakers are a joke. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well because it just is. It, you know how much my hatred of, of LeBron. This makes me so happy. This has nothing to do with. Nobody's talking about LeBron right now. Well, Nobody's talking about the Bulls. Well, it's, it's LeBron not winning titles, and that's what makes me happy. <laughs> I am Team Kobe all the way. So it's like Kobe and Jordan, I hold here with Magic Johnson and Kareem. Then there's LeBron, Kevin Durant, and um, Larry Bird are like 50 feet below them. That's fair. I, I don't even consider LeBron James the best player in the NBA right now. He's not. Uh, 90% of fans right now. Fourth. So, fourth for you? So, I'm going to go uh, just to guess your list. KD, Anthony Davis. No. Kawhi Leonard. He's, he's never the best big man in the West. Uh, he's Giannis. So, I got Giannis. I got KD. Lillard. Guy, who? Lillard. He's fifth. Yeah. He's Not sick. Not even Steph's. Still the best shooter in the game. Kawhi. Mind. Kawhi in the last three series has proved he's a Kawhi. You said Kawhi? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, then you were right. You got my three. It was, it goes one, one KD, two Giannis, three Kawhi, four LeBron, five Dame, six Steph. Okay. Because Dame is so important to the Blazers even being relevant. I had to put him over Steph. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry is by far the best shooter in the game of basketball. I have gained so much I respect for him. Oh my too. god! In the last two weeks, because of the injuries to Katie and Boogie, I've gained so much respect for Steph, a player I used to despise. But him and Durant have made me start to root for LeBron, root against LeBron. Well, I've always loved Durant because he has that KG. Kobe, kind of killer instinct. Even if he kind of can be a little bit of a pansy on Twitter, when he gets on the court, he's still a stone cold killer. And that's the thing about the NBA. They all talk trash on Twitter. That's why it's so entertaining to watch when they play. You got, you got guys in the MLB like Mike Trout, who's vanilla as hell. The most he, all, the only thing he tweets out is Fly Eagles Fly every Sunday. That's it. Fly Eagles Fly. God, I, when I was... <laughs> Just a quick story. I went to a Jets-Eagles game when I was like 10 years old in Philly. And okay, uh, I went to the one that four seasons later in Meadowlands. Started so, a fight with a whole section of Jets fans. This, this is when Mike Vick put a pounding on the Jets like I've never seen before. This was before butt fumble. And I think was the— it, was, it the, was it the year that McCoy ran for like 180 yards? Yes. McCoy— I, I was like, watching that. Yeah. I, okay, I was 16, watched that with my girlfriend on the couch— in my house right now. Like, I was like, that was like the year they went eight and eight. It was a dream team season. Oh, the shit. dream Shut team. Down. Three touchdowns in that game. I think they won 45 to 19. 
Yeah, you're right. Plaxico Burris for that one season. Like yeah, every, that was the first season. Like that was a year that they, I think they were like nine and six going into the final, um, or nine and what was it, eight and five going into the final yeah. uh, three game stretch, mm-hmm. and they that was when they fell apart. But that was yeah. the first time after they went back to the back to back AFC title games. But yeah. we were in the hotel coming back from the game. They lost forty five to nineteen. Um, my brother is about to get in the elevator which, with a bunch of Eagles fans trying to get up to our hotel room, and they immediately clicked the closed door because we had, like, Jets jerseys on, and they're just singing, fly, Eagles, fly, as the doors are closing on my brother's face. My brethren. Listen, listen, we know what we are. We don't try to hide it. We're not like, like, we're not like Patriots or Giants fans who are all act all nice until we lose. We, we're horrible to you regardless. We don't give, like, I mean, the thing is, like, Eagles fans, when you avoid talking football, we're fine. It's when you bring up the teal and black and white, we get rabid. It's, it's, it's like almost like a, it's almost like a jackal Mr. Hyde switch in us. It's insane. But you know what? I've seen worse from us. I've seen worse from other fans. So you know what? NFL, NFL is just a different kind of cult. College football is even worse. But we can even go on for hours about that. But <clears throat> next up on the list. Golden State Warriors, Monday night, sweeps the Portland Trailblazers without Kevin Durant, without Boogie Cousins. I, you know what? I get it. Dame's hurt. But, like, come on, man. Like, nobody could step up. You couldn't steal one damn game in the fucking Rose Garden where it's so hard to play there. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words. I mean, you hit it right on the bat. There's only so much Damian Lillard can do. He is that team. Like how LeBron was the Cavaliers for that four-year period. I mean, look they at the get him uh, a big man. Look at they the Cavs now. They should go get Anthony Davis. <laughs> he would I mean, work with Dame. And you talk about the war. Like, this is – it wasn't shocking to me, a four-game sweep. The Warriors are still one of the best teams in the NBA without KD and without Boogie Cousins. I mean, you had Steph Curry, you have Klay Thompson. Uh, to, to me, again, there's only so much that you can do without Damian Lillard if you're the Portland Trailblazers. The only team that can stop them from being a, a, a three-peat is struggling with Toronto right now. And they, it's, 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 about, it's a matchup game. If Toronto, I said this a week ago, and we can talk about how good their, their chemistry just looks better when Katie's not on the floor. It's not not against KD, because KD makes them unstoppable. But it's so fluid. It's like it's a different ball game. Like you got just the ball moving so quickly. You got guys getting open, and Draymond turns into an animal when it's only him against the basket. So I digress about that. Like it's it, honestly, you're right. It makes no surprise. It's not surprising me they swept. Because it's it's like it's like you, it's like you turn the clock back to 2015 when they beat LeBron and the Cavs the Kyrie-less Cavs, but that team was so dominant that it made sense. Even the 70, 73 and 70, what is it? 73 and nine team. My Timberwolves beat <laughs> that, that their ninth loss with Minnesota. I remember I was watching the game on my TV. I was laughing hysterically, but because it was the day before Kobe, you know, had his like 62 point goodbye game or whatever. So it was like that day. It was the night before I'd never watched so much. I, I love Kobe. But, um, I mean, it's not like they weren't feeding them the ball. every. Oh, my God. Yeah. But like, wouldn't you if your legends playing his last game, like 
See, they didn't really know. See, unfortunately for Kevin Garnett, it was two days before the season, and Minnesota's like, dude, we're not going to retain you. We have no roster spot for you right now. I mean, yeah, it was the last game of the year in a game where both teams really have nothing to lose, of course. Like, it, it, it's, it's like the same with Dwayne Wade this year and Dirk. I loved it. I love D-Wade. I've always loved D-Wade. And it just was so great to watch. It's it's kind of a good moment. But anyway, I digress. Like, you talk about how, unfortunately, the Blazers, they're apparently going to offer Dame a monster contract up to $191 million, five, six-year deal. I think, Jackie, that's what you said, right? Somewhere on that range. So, but the Believe problem is, four. it might have been four. It's still, it's insane. But whatever the maximum money they can offer him, because he is their, his hometown, they give him a hometown bonus. They need to get him help, man. It's obvious. We saw they, in this big, They need a big man who can score. Like, at least back in the day when they had Aldridge and Brandon Roy, that became dangerous because at least now you had to cover the inside. Now, dude, who? what do they got? Zach Collins? Zach Collins is two years younger than me, and he's in the NBA. That boy looks like he needs to put on a couple more meals, man. Like, shit. I mean, re-signing Damian Lillard is good for Portland, good for the city of Portland. You have that star. If you bring in a guy like you mentioned before, like a guy like AD, that's good for the game of basketball. Because now you ha- now you have a range of elite teams where you have the Warriors, who are obviously going to obtain at least Steph Curry this offseason. You have the Knicks who are probably going to you you have the Knicks who are going to you know get Kevin Durant possibly Kyrie. Um, then you have like. Teams like um, Brooklyn, who's probably gonna get like one star, along with uh, man. with along with 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 D, my boy D'Lo. And then you, you have Philly, uh, you, you have got Philly, Boston. and you have Philly, you have Boston, you have LA, who's gonna the Lakers are probably gonna get one star. Then you have the Clippers, who probably get one star. Toronto, unfortunately, the Lakers are always gonna be in the mix. Well, here's the problem. What we're gonna talk about after this is what after the Jawan Howard story is why I don't think the Lakers are gonna get anybody except maybe like Jimmy Butler. I just, it just, there's too much uncertainty. Players don't want to go there anymore. LeBron dominates it too much. But anyway, Golden State looks unstoppable. But the one team that matches up well with them, even with Kevin Durant in the lineup, is Giannis and the boys. They're a long team. They shoot threes. They have an aggressive, they have aggressive guards. A lot of things that Golden State, even through the whole run, has struggled with. My Timberwolves are always giving Golden State trouble for one reason. Because back in the day, they had Zach Levine and Wiggins on the wings. Those guys used to drive Clay and Steph crazy because they were long and they were quick. It's always giving Steph trouble when the guard can run with you and play defense. But he's never had to play like anything like that in the playoffs because most teams are more are like forward and center centric. And like these point guards aren't usually playing defense. Like Kyrie could never really play defense on Steph that well. So... Eric Bledsoe is aggressive as hell. I love that matchup against him or Clay. I love Middleton. And, of course, you know, I love Giannis. And if Brooke Lopez can get hot and Ilya Sova can have a decent game, I could see it being a series. But they got to get their shit together against Toronto. Uh, young, yeah. I mean, young, uh, young gun Giannis and company is going to put up a fight against Golden State. They're going to give them a run for their money. Like but this, the, is all, this is all. Figure this shit out now. That's like that's the whole problem. They can't get by fucking Toronto. The game. I'm gonna hand the title of Golden to KD right now. 
we talked about home court advantage. I think that's what it is. I don't think that they're going to have a problem at home. Yeah. Back by their hometown. Like, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Winning on the road obviously seems to be an issue right now. Drake's in their ear, man. That also, like, Toronto is, like, one of the top five hardest places to play in the NBA. No question. That, that fan base is insane. Toronto is one of the toughest places to play in sports, I'd say. Well, you look at the Rogers Center. That place is like a spaceship compared to the rest of the MLB. It's like it's like it's just a weird shaped field. But I'm, the way that they hold in energy from the crowd is it's it's loud in there. I mean, we saw it for Vladdy Jr.'s debut a few weeks ago. It was the place loud. Was shaking. The place was shaking. All right. Just, bats had that iconic bat flip against. Dude, that is probably my favorite moment in baseball history. And you hear the crowd like shake the speakers. It's insane. You can hear the audio editing dropping the crowd noise because it was so loud. But speaking of loud, Jawan Howard, one of the original Fab Five, back when college, one of my favorite ESPN documentaries and back when college basketball was fun. He is now the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. I love it. He was interviewed for Minnesota's job, but they gave it to Ryan, Ryan Saunders, Flip's kid, who I think is a better coach than Flip, but Flip was, of course, a better GM. Listen, Flip had a lot of great teams, but he could never finish the job. Detroit, same problem. Minnesota, same problem. But RIP to Flip, of course. He rebuilt his Minnesota team, actually giving me a little hope. But Juwan Howard to Michigan, we talked about this in the pre-show meeting. X's and O's-wise, I'm not sure yet, but... For selling tickets and getting recruiting, you get one of the OG Michigan guys and one of the guys who made Michigan basketball relevant at all. It would, the only thing would have been better is if you got like Jimmy Jackson or Jalen Rose to be his assistant or Chris Weber. Like that's the only bring thing. Them all in. Yeah, bring them all in. Entire staff out just to bring back Weber, Rose, King, Jackson. I'm sure Jalen Rose would leave uh, Jacoby in his show to come. Oh my God, that show is such garbage. Uh, but this is good news for Michigan. I mean, we saw Howard have a little time shadowing Eric Spolstra or Eric Spolstra with uh, Miami. Uh, he had a few opportunities that he interviewed for coaching Lakers, one of them over the past few years. So it's good to finally see him find a job in college basketball where basically he got his start after 19 years in the NBA. So I love it. Hopefully X's and O's wise. <clears throat> I mean, the Big Ten isn't the best basketball conference. We all know the ACC runs this joint, but it's going to be just a matter of, like, you know, who comes next. Because, you know, you have Duke, the reigning champ Virginia in North Carolina, who just run that conference. You have to deal with that three-headed monster. You have to run – you have to deal with that. It's like the SEC in football. You always have those three top teams every year, and then you have a couple, like, decent teams in the back end, like Florida State, Virginia Tech, or whatever. You just hope you can get in, but – the Big Ten's up for grabs. I think this could work for them. This could get, help them get a lot better players. So, all right. I'll let you take lead on this one. But Magic Palenka, Jack, let the people know. What's going on? So, here's the skinny monkeys. Magic Johnson was on first take Monday morning with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman, America's two favorite analysts. Magic Johnson spilled the tea on the Lakers front office, which I think everybody knew had a lot of blackmailing and a lot of agenda keeping things going on. So Magic Johnson explained to the world Monday morning 
that he was asked by Jeannie Buss to become president of the Lakers back in 2017. He asked if he could be in and out because obviously he part owns the Los Angeles Dodgers, two-time defending NL champions. Oh, he got the Los Angeles Sharks and the WNBA also owns. He's got the Los Angeles Football Club. I mean, he ha- he has a lot of other businesses to attend to. He said he was going to be in and out and was asked if that was okay. She said yes. Uh, he went on to uh, ask if he could have power, full power over team and executive decisions to bring in players. Big reason that they brought in Lonzo Ball as well as LeBron James. LeBron James is with the L.A. Lakers because of Magic Johnson. They had a n- nice long talk at his house in L.A., last July before he signed that four-year mega deal. So Magic Johnson now has complete control over the Lakers roster and at the same time really isn't in the front office that much, which I'm assuming, you know, we have to assume, we don't know all the gory details or the dirt, that um, Palinka, GM... Former Kobe's agent. Exactly, and we'll get into that. I don't know if you read my article yet that I posted today. It's actually bookmarked on my phone. I have to read it tonight. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I actually do want to read it. Look good. It's good shit. One of my better articles in a long time. I haven't written one in a long time. <laughs> hey, life gets busy. Life's tough. But Rob Palinka, um, to me, he he touched over this. So Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka says that Magic Johnson basically questions his, his work ethic. Right. And Magic Johnson, who explained on first take, has friends and allies, tons of them. All around, whether it's inside the NBA or out in other businesses or whether it's just his friends. And um, after 40 years in the business, five time NBA champion, insanely well-rounded executive. Obviously, these people aren't lying to him. To me, I don't think Magic Johnson, like Magic Johnson, after everything that he's accomplished over the past 40 years or so. What does he have to gain or lose by throwing Palinka and Jeannie Buss under the bus? No pun intended. To me, during uh, Vogel's press conference, we saw it also on Monday. Rob togetherness. Palinka, we need to preach togetherness. Like, what do you what do you expect Rob Palinka to say in that press conference? Like, you're damn right. You're damn right. I said that stuff about him. Like, no, I'd make the Lakers look terrible. Of course, he's gonna deny everything. To be like, oh man, like I, I really am saddened by these comments. I'm really um, upset that Magic Johnson would say such a thing because none of it's true. I really hope that we can get past it. We're, we're still talking now. Like, okay, we could take that with a grain of salt because, like you said, Rob Palinka started out as Kobe Bryant's agent, worked his way up the corporate ladder into mm-hmm. building that relationship with the Bus family en route to becoming the GM. Which is why, in my article today, I compared him to one of the most hellacious characters in television history, portrayed by Kevin Spacey, Frank Underwood. Rob Palenka is the Frank Even Underwood though it looks like Rob Lowe. Basketball Association. Even though it looks like Rob Lowe, he doesn't look like Rob... <laughs> you like, you notice that? Smug look. Like, I don't, like, Rob Palenka, I don't know the guy, and I barely know anything about him up until these past few days. I just don't trust the guy. He just looks smug. He's an agent. I'm going to quote Entourage here. I'm going to quote Harv, the, the character Harvey from Entourage. They're agents. They're all scum. I'm, he's not saying he's scum, but there's a certain thing around agents. It's in, in movies. It's in sports. It's in everything. 
agents have to get in that dirty water and fight for stuff that, like, you know, they want to keep their clients out of and be clean. With Palenka, I feel like, one, he's got my boy Kobe in his ear. Kobe and LeBron have an okay relationship. Like, they will say hi to each other. Jeannie Buss, who are ex, who's her ex-boyfriend? Phil. Who did Phil While he was coaching, by the way. What? While he was coaching, by the way. That's that's oh, yeah. that's a red flag. Rob Wait, also, by the way, who's Rob Phil's Palinka boy? Was, Frank Vogel. Hey, Rob Palinka was with Kobe Bryant at his house constantly during the whole rape allegations 10 to 15 years ago. Not to say Kobe did it or not. He got out hands-free. Carlos Boozer. Remember that whole debacle in 2008 with the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? With that whole deal. Um, ends up dropping Rob Palenka as his agent. Only to re-sign him a year later under Rob's brand new uh, agency that he started on his own. Mm-hmm. So... Not to say that we know anything about this, but I, I'm willing to bet after watching six seasons of House of Cards that there's a lot of blackmail and a lot of dirt underneath Rob Palenka. I'm not going to go full tinfoil hat like you are, but if you look at the Lakers are structured... Crease the tinfoil. Yeah, well, I mean, you got some damn hair back there. You got it, but... I mean... You look at how they're structured. They're bringing, like, Linda Rambis, Jesse Buss, Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis was the worst coach in Timberwolves history. Like, then you talk about all, like, Tom Coward's brought this up multiple times, and I've seen the graphic, and I agree with him. If you look at the structure of how the Lakers are built, you got LeBron in the center, not connected to anybody. You got Palenka, Jeannie, Jesse, Linda, Kurt, some guy named Tim Harris, who I have no idea who does. Out in, so, out in center field or somewhere, you have Magic Johnson. You have that jackass from Clutch Sports, uh, um, LeBron's boy. What's his name? You're not going to get that out of me. Honestly, the Lakers, they, they can go out and get anybody. Go get Adam Sandler. He'll do a better job than Jeannie Buss right now. I would now. love to see that. He'd do it, and they'd hire him. Will Ferrell. He's an L.A. boy. I mean, any one of those Hollywood actors out there, Wahlberg would do it. He's too he's too loyal to, to Boston. He wouldn't do it. But I get your point. Going forward, who are the Lakers going to get? Kevin Durant, not... Kevin Durant won't go there. You know that. He's not about the super team shit. He wants his own legacy. I wouldn't say he's up not about the super team shit. I mean, he did go to Golden State after but all. He wants – he, he, you know how much he eats at him that everyone's like, oh, these titles don't count because you got Steph and Clay and Draymond. But what if – he's not going to want to go to LeBron. He's going to get as much shit as he would. If he goes to New York with Kyrie, that's in the East. We got to deal with Giannis, Kawhi, D'Lo, and, and, and fucking Ben Simmons and Joel. That's a lot of teams to fight around with. And you've got a, a, getting, a Hawks team that just keeps getting better. You have Indiana with a healthy old depot next year. The East is probably, like, just as competitive as the West if Katie goes out there. But, oh, Kawhi Leonard. He's going to go to the Clippers or Toronto. That's it. Maybe Brooklyn is a, a dark horse. 
He doesn't like the whole flashiness that LeBron brings. Kawhi wears New Balance. He doesn't go. To, he doesn't talk to the media. He's an odd dude. He's always been an odd dude. He doesn't fit LeBron's brand of basketball. So because he wears New Balance shoes, you don't think he's going to go to the Lakers? He doesn't doesn't fit the type, man. He's not. He's not. He's not about like why people go to the Lakers, man. There's no statistic. There's no like on court reason. An aging LeBron, all the bullshit we've talked about in the front office, and a bunch of sporting cast players who are lesser versions of guys on other teams. So where what am I missing here that makes the Lakers attractive at all? Again, you have one of the greatest NBA superstars of all time. I mean, obviously, Mag- Magic Johnson leaving hurts. Oh, because he just spilled all the dirt, and I think 95% of people believe it. Again, Magic Johnson, I don't think he has anything to lose by throwing them under oh, the Oh, I totally believe it. I think the Lakers screw themselves. The only players who are probably going there are Buckets, Jimmy Buckets, and uh, Boogie. That is, AD did buy that uh, insanely beautiful mansion in L.A. last year that would take me four lifetimes to pay well, off. I'm going to quote the great Gail Benson. We will trade him to L.A. over my dead body. That's it. They're not like you. I doubt New Orleans will do any business with L.A. in any sport because of Andy Davis bullshit. The crap with L.A. Rams and the Saints. God, that was beautiful. And the pass interference call. Ain't happening. But next up. Who knows? Maybe the Pelicanes will want to start their own dynasty with Zion and A.D. You know, AD won't play there. I think their best bet's trading him. Oh, Zion wants to play there. Yeah, I mean, you get his boy R.J. Barrett in a trade with New York. You send uh, AD over to the Knicks. You got something there. R.J. Barrett and, and Zion together, a couple draft picks. I'll take that. That'll be a fun squad. They're not going to go to the finals, but they'll probably make the A seed. That's not what you play for. This Yo, not, listen. Generation, your first team together, you play for the A seed when you, when you had barely been relevant for the past 10 years. One step at a time. You got you got to run before you can. You got to jog before you can run. All right, Big Ben. I'll take lead on this one. Y'all know about the drama between Big Ben, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, whatever. Nobody cares. It's all been in the news. Big Ben comes out Monday, says, "Listen, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been blasting people on the radio show. I shouldn't have been like I, I was a bad teammate, a bad leader in 2018." Antonio Brown responds back not even an hour later on Twitter and goes, Two-Face. And I'm just like, two takes here. One, a little too late for Big Ben. But he's got Juju, James Conner, and a not a bad roster. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, but they're probably going to have a good shot at winning the NFC North again, AFC North again. Because I think that Cleveland's going to start beating the hell out of each other early in the season and finally get the crap together. But, and the Ravens regress and the Bengals are the new Browns, so there you go. But, AD, dude, shut up. Nobody cares about you anymore. You're in Oakland. Go catch touchdowns from Carr and do your thing. Make business booming again. But do it for the right reasons. Like, we get it. You and Big Ben don't like each other. Nobody fucking cares anymore. I was sick of that drama in March. With Antonio Brown, it's what you you see is what you get with him. Like, obviously, it was a very bitter ending in Pittsburgh. And we touched on this before we went on. 
Big Ben is the leader of that locker room, has been for over a decade. You got to act like it. Don't be calling guys out at this stage when he's already gone. Don't be, don't wait to call him out and talk shit on him after he's gone. Well, he talked shit about during the season. He's apologizing now. So still, and, like, while yeah, I, I know, I know, I'm not that. justifying. I'm just saying that, like, with this situation, I get where he's coming from, but it's a little too little. It's too little too late. Antonio Brown should have said, "I got you, fam," or whatever, or not even respond at all. Nobody gives a shit. Just do your thing. Catch touchdowns. Nobody gives a crap about this drama anymore. I'm tired of hearing about it too. So. No, oh, it's stupid to me. Yeah, I mean, that era is over. AB's in Oakland. Le'Veon's in uh, New York. Azaro World. <laughs> Jets. And Big Ben's got to deal with his new team. I mean, shoes, mister. I mean, you have you have a lot of talent on that Steelers team right now. Like you said, like, the Steelers are hit and miss every year for me. They go 12-4 and four next year. They're 8-8, eight and eight, you know? I don't, I, I don't know what to expect from Pittsburgh this year. Honestly, I think Oakland's going eight and eight. Pittsburgh's gonna go ten and six, probably like losing a shootout with uh whoever they play on the wild card round. But you know what? It's a divorce, it's gotta end. Little uh sad but also kinda just just sad news. Also kinda hilarious because it's the Mets. You went to Cespedes, one of the funnest players I've ever watched. Ever got hurt again. Here he has a busted ankle. Now he just broke his other one because he slipped and fell into like what was that? Like a divot on his ranch and broke his ankle. Yard work. He was a yard work on his ranch. And like I was just like, oh my god, this is the most mess thing to happen. I mean, it's not like like, helped them over the past year. At all. I know, but like they're, they're gonna be a crap team until they until like I'm like in my 50s and my kids like Dad, have the Mets ever been good? I mean, they made the World Series one year and when I was like eight, 19, and they were good when at 2000, but that's about it. You know, Jason Bay contracts aside, um, I mean that's really unfortunate when you look at it with Cespedes. I mean, he was the hottest hitter in baseball when they acquired him in 2015. You went on a tear. He's a huge reason why they were the NL champs that year. Yeah. And then he keeps showing off how much he can leg press and squat. Ultimately, body falling apart. bite him in the ass. Body yeah. fell apart. You mentioned the ankle injury this year, and now his other ankles completely shot multiple fractures in his foot because he stepped in a pothole that that's the New York Mets for you in a nutshell. I don't know what to say. It's just sad. Such a good player. All right. We got a little zippity, like a little pop and lock swishy do, whatever the hell you want to call it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, probably one of the funniest organizations to watch in in football because when Gruden was there, they were respected. But the last, like, five years between the Shianos and the Cutcliffs and all these uh, other idiots, or Cutter, sorry, Cutcliffe is for Duke. But it's just a comedy special. So they get rid of Gerald McCoy, arguably one of the most consistent and probably one of the top five best defensive tackles in the, in the NFL for the last, like, five years. Let him go. Within within 12 hours, have, re- have signed the Dominican Sue for a one-year deal. 
And I I get the I get getting out of the contract, but I think they would go younger. And Sue and McCoy are around the same age. To me, it's it's like, yeah, you're just plugging a hole for one year because you didn't address the need enough in the draft. I don't know. I mean, I hope the Eagles grab McCoy is like a you know like a like a one year deal or whatever would be great. Or even your Cowboys could use him in the interior. But even the Giants could holy shit, their interior is terrible. Um their whole team's terrible, let's be honest. But I it's just to me, it's just the Bucks being the Bucks. They're gonna, you know, Bruce Arians, I think, is the only coach who might be able to save them, but as long as Jameis Winston's their quarterback, they're never gonna win a playoff game. So I mean they didn't do much in the draft, like you mentioned, and to me they're in a rough spot because you got the Saints and you got the Falcons who are both And even Carolina who's good every other year. And I mean, last year you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, everybody enjoyed the press conferences. Uh and, and this just year, Jackson's good for another big personality. So I mean, to me, it's about selling tickets right now for the Bucks. It, it ain't about winning football games. They they you know what? I'm gonna I might have to call it a couple of Buccaneers fans who work with us who were talking about how the Bucks at worst are going seven and nine. And me and Mark almost spit out our beers when we read that that post in the chat. The the Bucks are straight trash, homie. They might have the worst record in the league next year. Yeah, you guys might have to walk the plank soon with a few of those. Guys. Oh shit, Jack Winter, I love it. All right, next up, it's time for stair bail. All right, so stair bail is very simple, folks. It's like buy or sell, but you either stay or you bail in the night. You call your tab. So first up. Jack's boy, Ezekiel Elliott, got interested again at another fucking music festival. He's just not go to these anymore. Uh, got, it was a video service. He shoved the security guard. He got a little scuffle. No charges were filed, but, like, it's just another incident on his record. It's like every eight months he's in some kind of trouble. Jack, are you going to defend your boy? Or are you going to bail on him so it's all Dak Prescott from here on out? Uh, bail, bail, bail. No, I'm just kidding. I, I got thick skin. I could talk about this. So it's just frustrating to watch because Ezekiel Elliott, as soon like we saw it in college as a Buckeye, his dad had to move there in an apartment just to keep an eye on him. That's a massive red flag right off the bat. He comes uh, his rookie year, phenomenal year. Turns out he beat up his girlfriend. He's going to get suspended for six games that second year. Didn't really perform that well in his second year. Had a bit of a sophomore slump regardless, I think. That's I think a lot opinion. of running backs definitely have that because you adjust to the film. But he also didn't have a lot of no, a lot of touches to adjust to it. He did but. not find many holes that second year. Maybe that's in fault to the offensive line, though it's been historically good. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to hold off because I was going to be like, um, I, I'm going to hold off on that innuendo right there. <laughs> I don't know. And then last year, another he had another great year. So this is this is just disappointing. It's not even worth it. Just with some random. You said it was a security guard. Yeah, it was. A, he got in a scuffle as like a security guard at a, at a festival in, in Vegas. You got to be better than that. Like you are a Pro Bowl. Do VIP. You make millions football. of dollars. Just go do VIP shit. You are better than these people. Like, I, that's not a popular thing to say. Like Financially, everybody. you literally you are a superstar. Act like one. Act like the, act like you're a public figure. Like, dude, if I was Zeke, okay, so let's say I'm, I make a, mil, a couple million dollars and we're running back for an NFL team. I'm in a music festival. I have a couple girls with me. I'd be like, all right, I want that private room. I drop 100K on the table and I go. That's it. Like, I'm not trying to get my screw myself over from getting a new contract. 
for that specific reason. So that's it. It should it shouldn't be that hard to understand. But this kid's such a dumbass, and the problem is the kid's so out of control sometimes. It it just doesn't surprise me anymore when Zeke gets in trouble. I'm like more surprised when he does get in trouble. I'm more surprised when he actually keeps his nose clean. It's so, unfair. He's the best player on that roster. I mean, Dak Prescott, oh, one of the most sophisticated QBs in the league, and I he's mean, you made a the- case for Lawrence or Cooper, but like that's about it. But I'm bailing on Zeke. I think the Cowboys, when it comes down to this, and when it comes between who they're going to pay more, they're going to throw Dak an insane amount of money, and it's just going to help the Eagles, Giants, and Redskins out because Dak can't throw the ball downfield more than 30 yards. And if there's no Amari Cooper for him to throw the ball to, I don't know. But they need Zeke more than they need Dak by a mile. They could have a trained monkey sit behind center and still operate that offense eight and eight, so early six and ten with Zeke and Amari Cooper. Uh, and you know Jason Witten hopefully gets in Zeke's ear a little bit now that he's back for you guys. I don't know. I'm bailing on Zeke. Honestly, just the maturity issue is just a problem for me. Next up. We talked about Lillard's contract, but this is for Damian Lillard. Do you stay or bail in Portland? Because unless they can get you a superstar, is it worth? I get it. You're a you're a small town kid. You're from Oakland. You just want to win. You're a Northwest guy. But if some team with a couple superstars but needs a point guard like uh, Minnesota or New York or you know, uh, a couple years with New Orleans or even like the Clippers, the Nets, whatever, or Boston, calls you up and goes, listen, we'll throw you good money. Not going to be Portland money, but it's going to be good money. And you get to play with like a top 15, top 25 player that's a big man, and we have money to go get you more, and you're not isolated like you are in Portland. To me, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going even here. If I'm, if I'm Damian Lillard... I almost would like be like, I'm going to wait to the end of the season and see how it goes. Because proved the Blazers, if I'm Damian Lillard, have to prove to me that they'll all go out and get a big man to help me out. Because I love CJ McCollum. But what the series against the, 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 um, the Warriors showed me was, it's all on Dame. McCollum's a good two. Should be a great three, but that's it. And that's all he's got. Zach Collins, really? Like, what do you want to do? Enos Cantor? Dude's on a terrorist watch list in his own country. So, I mean, I'm not even kidding about that, though, by the way, or at least in Turkey. Nah, it's not a good sign. No. It's, it's just, and I love Enos Cantor. He's a funny dude. Takes shots at LeBron all the time. But if I'm Lillard, I'm holding, but only for the season. And if they don't do any moves, I'm like, Oh, Minnesota wants me to play with Towns and Wiggins? Click. Done. Oh, LeBron wants me to come to L.A.? Sweet. Oh, KD and KD and Anthony Davis want me to go to New York? Done. Like, it's just stuff like that. Like, I don't want to see this guy be another John Stockton, Carl Malone. He's stuck in a small market team that never gets over the hump. So, to me, for Dame, Dame is one of my favorite players. I just don't want to see him get stuck in that situation like Westbrook, where he's going to be stuck being a first-run exit every year. Or at well, least to me, to me, it's one of two things. One, you know, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers 
would not be talking about this contract extension if they didn't have the aspirations to go out and get a guy like Anthony Davis or a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Well, they really can't trade for Davis, but even just getting a guy like Boogie, you don't even have to pay him a lot of money. Just get guy bodies who can score and play. But the other thing you got to look at for Damian Lillard, $191 million is a lot of cash. And that is a lot out, of cash. That takes a lot of cap space. Like, that, there's not a lot of mouse feed after that. You're right. And it's just, it's, it's, if I am like, the, if I'm Dame, sorry, we have an, we have a executive chat issue just now. Hold on. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm Dame, I'm thinking like, wait a minute, maybe I should pull a Brady here. I get paid good money by Adidas and other endorsements. Do I just kind of drop back a little bit? Like, all right, throw me 160. Over the next like ten, over the next four years, but go get a big man or go get a small forward or power forward, something can score. Like go get me, like see if if they're if uh, whoever the Sixers trade, if they get rid of Embiid or you know you got uh, Aldridge on the market or so or like um, Davis is on the market in a year. Like go get like that kind of stuff. Like to me, the whole point of this is help Dame out so he doesn't feel like he has to leave in a year. That's how I feel, but I think, honestly, like, Dame should be holding this for one more round, year, and that should be it if they don't do the moves. Because I don't want Dame's career to go by the wayside like a lot of these small market guys do where they have to, like, leave at the end of their career to go get a title. It's not fair to Dame. He's one of the best point guards I've ever seen. I mean, you could look at it like this. Damian Lillard has a legacy in Portland. Yeah, but, I mean, legacy doesn't mean shit when you have no rings. Especially in basketball, rings are everything. And, and again, Damian Lillard and the uh, Trailblazers, the negotiations have to include not only that 90, $191 million, but also they got to promise him to bring in some talent. They got to go get people. It was obvious in that series. Well, they, well yeah. it's got to be a mutual thing. The Lillard's be like, I'll help recruit, but you've got to be all willing to pay him. And so we'll that's see. how it looks. Like Lillard was injured and that team was like dead. So I mean that's that's all I gotta say about that one. So I'm 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 holding on I'm I'm bailing on Zeke. I'm holding on Lillard for now. Um, last but not least, boxing this weekend. Deontay Wilder. Now I really don't pay attention to boxing that much. I mean I'll watch like Floyd Connor, Floyd, uh, you know Pacquiao, whatever. But I watch this. I I like this Wilder dude. What? He wants to play um, Mr. T's kid in Creed 3, which I love that idea. Two, and I love Creed. It's my favorite sports movie franchise. But, okay, the knockout. Like 15 seconds in, the first punch he connects knocks this dude out cold. The dude has quotes about killing him. He has quotes about killing him up to the fight. It was perfect. It was like – it was just like – such poetic just like that. Now, boxing's got so much work to do to be relevant again. But this was awesome. This was so awesome. And I loved it every minute of it. I am I am staying and holding so hard on Wilder as like a hope for boxing going forward. Because he's not just a good fighter. He's a tough guy. He's a kill shot artist. And he's a character. You take one out and you've got... I'm sorry. Uh, you've got... You got two things with freaking with Floyd. You've got Floyd, who was a character, and Floyd, who was just he was good, but he wasn't a knockout artist. 
And with Wilder, you have this guy who's got the whole package. And he's marketable. And to me, I'm like, why haven't I heard about this do more? And I start hearing about more because a lot of the guys I follow on Twitter, athletes like, you know, like Towns and everyone else, follow this guy regularly. And I'm like, Deshaun Jackson, same thing. I'm like, this guy's the truth. I'm like, damn, yeah, you're right. He's the truth. He's also a heavyweight. The best division in boxing. Come on. I love this. This is awesome. I'm, I'm holding uh, yeah. Wilder. There will be no Tyson Fury not sucking from Deontay Wilder after this weekend. I am staying on this. Uh, what was he? The Gypsy King, he calls himself Tyson Fury. Yeah. Felt the fucking wrath of Deontay Wilder. I mean, that's boxing. I mean, we talked about it earlier. There are a lot of people who pay to see a boxing match, and they want it to go all 12 rounds. That is not me. I don't give a shit. I'm there for the party. I just that knockout see. punch. That is boxing. A fight is legit a party, and the fight is the centerpiece of that party. So to me, if I was at that fight and, you know, I brought a date with me, we're hanging out, we're getting drinks, we're meeting some friends, whatever, and then I'm sitting in the top row, and I just see Wilder clock this dude, I'm like, I am so ready to go home. I'm going to the bar. I'm going to go go drinking. Like, this is crazy. I'll be talking about this to everybody I see. Because to me, that's a crazy thing, of course, because one, I was rooting for Wilder. But then the other thing is, like, it's something to talk about. If I just jab at you for four t- for 12 rounds, and then it's a split decision, and I win, I'm like, and I'm sitting there like, I want my fucking money back. Like, with Mayweather and McGregor, I felt so robbed. I was just like, the fuck? That was awful. Like, same thing with May, uh, McGregor and Khabib's UFC fight. I felt so robbed. It wasn't until the end where the brawl broke out that I'm like, okay, this is actually entertaining. But it's just like fighting sports are about action. Wilder brings action. He's a character. He's marketable. He's crazy. He's quotable. I'm not saying he's Ali, but he also works in the best division of all time, which is Ali's division. To me... I don't know. I, I think he's the I think he's the future of the sport. I love it. I agree with you. That that one punch alone has me going for Deontay Wilder. And you mentioned McGregor Mayweather. I I honestly enjoyed that fight. I, I thought I mean the- McGregor was killing him for the first two rounds. Like McGregor was landing shots, but the problem was McGregor was running out of gas. And again, McGregor coming into this sport, I feel like a lot of this could have potentially been staged. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you saw it towards the end. McGregor had a lot of fight left in him. He could have he could have gone. The referee shouldn't have stopped that match um, in that 10th round. I, I, I don't think he was done. Oh, no. But, but that was to make him and McGregor and Mayweather so much money. But that about wraps it up for a last call. I mean, for um report uh, for Stairbell. Folks, there you go. It's Jared actually flipped me off halfway through that for those of you. It was listening. an accident. I actually didn't mean to. Like that I, I, I have yeah. a couple of those saved for every time you go on a round hop, my diamondbacks are gonna be trash this year. Yeah. Alright. He's still holding out hope if they go on a t- they go on a days to lose like thirty straight. Um <clears throat> last call here, folks. So let's kick that smooth jazz. So folks, you know, NBA free agency around the corner. And, you know, we have the finals with the draft. We have Zion and John Morank going to two small market teams. And I heard a point today in a radio show that you guys know I listen to all the time. The Herd, of course. And Cara brought a point about LeBron and the failure that L.A. has been being the death of player mobility. Or, with Kevin Durant possibly going to New York, Kyrie joining him, 
Kawhi possibly staying in Toronto. Jimmy Butler going to LA. Zion and RJ Barrett hopefully going to or Zion and Anthony Davis in New York in New Orleans. You know, maybe Minnesota gets a decent player here. John Morant gets a guy there. You know, you're going to see a more diverse league. Now, people always hated on the 2000, early 2000s, back when LeBron was not that great and the Spurs were dominating. People hated on that league because the Spurs were boring as fuck. If you're, you could tell me that you're going to have the Warriors out west, Dame up northwest, you have the Thunder with Paige and, Ru- and Russ... And you have all these teams with like one or two superstars and a bunch of supporting cast guys, and they all duke it out every year. And there's no like clear cut favorite anymore. That's basketball at its best. To me, the 2000s when you had teams like Minnesota and Indiana going to the Western East Conference Finals, taking on teams like LA and Detroit, and you had the Spurs and the, and the Nets and the Lakers and everyone else sprinkling as well, and you had the Suns one year with Steve Nash and Amari Sotomayor, that's fun. That's fun to me. You have the net, you have the, the Nuggets one with Carmelo one year, and you have the Magic with Dwight Howard and a bunch of three-point shooters. Things like that make the game so much more fun because, dude, I'm not even going to watch the finals if it's, if like, if it, like I mean, I'm going to watch because it'd be new guys, but if for some reason it was fucking LeBron... If, if, like, LeBron... If I had to see another year of LeBron versus the Warriors in the finals, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Thank God he went west. Because now I knew he wasn't going to have to deal with the two of them playing in the finals. So, to me, people should start to actually enjoy the lack of super teams. Everyone knows one of my biggest lines on the show is, I root for anarchy in the NBA. I always have. I love when things go to shit. I love when Adam Silver scrambling to figure out what the hell is going on. I love that... New Orleans and Memphis got the first two picks, not New York and L.A. He's not John Morant going to Memphis to replace Mike Conley. Mike Conley will go to anywhere. He can even go to my Timberwolves. I'd love it. Or, you know, you got Zion going to New Orleans, a team that is struggling to keep a superstar right now because of lack of marketing and lack of, like, players. So, to me, this is awesome. Because, you know what, it sticks it to all the tanking teams, it sticks it to all the big market teams, and it sticks it to all the super teams. I love that this summer could regulate the balance of power in the NBA again so that, like, there's a lot more teams coming closer to the break-even point and a lot less teams up here or down here, whatever. So, to me, I love this. Jack, any thoughts on my uh, last rant? Uh, to me, the NBA, as a fan base, I don't think... I think they've gained more than they've lost over the past few years. I mean, you that mentioned I agree. teams like the Warriors and the Cavs and even the Heat, you could say, when they had the big three. But yes, diversity in the NBA is much needed. Like me, personally, I am a casual NBA fan just for the sake because the Warriors have won three of the last four years. Yeah. Kept Durant going to the Knicks, and we could even bring this back over to our uh, Lillard uh, conversation. If he resigns in uh, Portland, you bring over another star there, they're a contender. Like, they were a contender this year with just him alone, obviously. They weren't without him. You bring in another guy, they're a contender. You bring Katie to the Knicks, they're automatically a contender. Brooklyn Nets are getting there. To me, Kevin Durant makes more sense. If he wants to go to New York, I feel like Kevin Durant, it would make more sense for him to go to the Nets because they're getting there. With but D-Lo, again, they don't even have to go get another start at that point. They can go get role players. Him and D-Lo together would be a nasty team. I mean, it, the NBA has been heavily based on the Western Conference over the past few years. That's safe and it's e- you know, East loading up helps the league so much more. A LeBronless, a LeBronless East loading up. 
it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And hey, five years down the road, don't be shocked if the Phoenix Suns are in that mix. I've don't watched. Be shocked if the Timberwolves aren't. Come on, Wiggins and Cat ain't going anywhere. They love that city too much for some reason. I'm, I'm, I, they should have left already, but for some reason they love their lucky state. They both signed max their max contracts, and they're both there for another four years. Can't figure out why, but just fuck it, I don't care. I mean, listen, my two favorite players are still stuck in my in my city, so my team at least. So you know, that's how, like parody in the NBA makes sense. College football has been struggling trying to keep any kind of parody at all, which they haven't. The only parody they've had the last few years is that like five like that five minute stretch where without Miami was going to win a national title two years ago, and then with the turnover chain. And then, you know, baseball, the kings of, of parody, like, you know, you have the, the Royals win one year, the, the Astros, and you have the Dodgers who continuously can't fucking win a World Series, which makes me so happy. The Yankees win a year, you have the Diamondbacks 2011-2001, got the Cardinals winning a couple times, you got the Giants who were kind of the streak breakers, the Angels, you know, I keep going on the list, but parody works for big leagues. The NFL, besides the Patriots... Pretty much sums it up right there. Yeah, you have a couple teams who won like five or six titles, but come on, you had Philly win two years ago, and now they're possibly, if they can get their shit together, could be the, like the next team that kind of like is always there and could always make a quick strike for a title every other year. But, you know, like that's how sports are. Sport is better with parity. College I mean, basketball that, suffers the most from this. And I mean, the MLB, though, as unpredictable as it is, fans are turned off just because of time consumption obviously the thing is i also think baseball has just there's so many games and it's every day and it takes three to four hours of your time i mean if i could have my diamondbacks here dude like i get office i gotta do some belly up emails i gotta look at my resume and stuff like that all d-backs on that's great it's like netflix it's great to watch but i get why people can get bored by it Baseball is great as, like, you know, a, a thing to have on the background. Like, unless it's playoff baseball where, like, every pitch means everything. So, I, that's how I look at it. I don't know. I mean, like, 162 games is a lot, but, I mean, I love baseball, so I can watch it every day if I really wanted to. But, Jack, thank you for co-hosting me today. Hopefully, Mark gets his shit together next week. I'm just kidding, Mark. We love you, bud. We know you're busy. It's okay, but thank I you, Jack. Greekness, buddy. I, I know. Trust me. I was I was giving him some shit about that already, but thank you, Jack, so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm glad so, we put our differences aside for this one episode. Well, he always we we can. It's just when we get in a texting argument for five minutes about shit, or I text you some AJ Pollock getting hurt meme, and you got to go full sabermetrics nerd on me in the next minute because like they, they were better. They were AJ better. and Jacoby Ellsbury are counting their money right now, dude. They're having play dates. I know, but um. Listen, just the Diamondbacks are smart to get rid of them because Dyson and Marte are good replacements. They still put up with my hating numbers. They don't get hurt. So that wraps it up, folks. This is probably be the only show this week. Next week we'll probably go to two or three, depending on how everything lines up. It's just this is an odd week for you know family things for me and you know getting Jack on and also I just don't feel like doing another Friday show. That was a pain in the butt. But that about wraps it up for me. I'm Jared. That's Jack. Deuces. This episode of The Corner Booth has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter at Belly Up Jared and at Mark Riley.